Our mission statement here at Pinehurst United Methodist is to cultivate more disciples and deeper disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of our community and the world. In our sermon series, New Year, Same Mission, we've talked about what cultivates us, what are disciples, and what makes someone a deeper disciple. Today, we'll focus on the transformation piece. What is transformation? How does it happen? Who in Scripture can show us about transformation? Our scripture this morning comes from the gospel according to John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with that person. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I say to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O God. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In John chapter 3, we meet a man whose heart and life changed after an encounter with Jesus. That in itself wasn't unusual, but this is one of the last people we might have expected transformation from. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. This was a Jewish man who knew the law and the scriptures, supposedly knew all there was to know about God better than anyone. Nicodemus was someone who would have been able to recognize God anywhere. The Pharisees, however, criticized Jesus because of his disregard for the law. They asked him on whose authority he flipped tables and performed miracles. The Pharisees were critical of Jesus because they were angry and afraid. Like all Jews, they had certain expectations for the Messiah. This Jesus was going to bring trouble from the Romans for the Jews. Not to mention he was blaspheming, saying he was the son of God. It was outrageous. Jesus was born in a stable. He told people to turn the other cheek and give away all they had. God's people expected something much different from their Savior, expected their Messiah to overthrow the earthly kingdoms that had oppressed them for so long. Throughout all four Gospels, the Pharisees questioned and criticized Jesus everywhere he went, declaring that they had a superior knowledge of Scripture. 
So Nicodemus comes to Jesus under cover of night because he was used to being the one bringing the answers, not questions. He was a leader the Jewish people looked up to to have clarity, not confusion. There was no way he could voice these questions, the way, no way he could acknowledge Jesus as a teacher in public in the daytime. In John, night symbolizes separation from the presence of God. Nicodemus is still in the dark about his faith, but coming to Jesus is coming to the light. Adam Hamilton notes, in John, darkness is a metaphor not only for evil, despair, and hopelessness, but for losing our way. Those who walk in darkness are lost and blinded by sin. Jesus is the light that can guide us, helping us see the way by the things he taught and by what he showed us in the example of his life. He showed us forgiveness and love and grace. He showed us compassion and kindness and mercy. He not only removes our sin, he shines a light on the path we are to take. Nicodemus comes to see Jesus even in the dark because he is desperate for some answers. Ruth Barton writes, as strange as it may sound, desperation is a really good thing in spiritual life. Desperation causes us to be open to radical solutions, willing to take risks to find what we are looking for. Without desperation, Nicodemus probably would have kept doing what he was doing. But he was desperate to feel God's love, to be in God's presence, to be transformed. He's not quite ready to let go of his image, but he's ready to get some deep, honest, quality time with Jesus. He knows there's something special about Jesus' message of love and grace. The law has always been about loving God and neighbor, but something's been missing. Underneath the rage and the fear and the expectations for who the Messiah would be. Nicodemus has a hope and a hunger. I imagine Nicodemus was wrestling with a lot of self-doubt leading up to this midnight meeting with Jesus. He's been watching and probably criticizing Jesus like a lot of the Jewish leaders. But in the days before their meeting, he's starting to come away with a different perspective. Watching what Jesus does and says he can't help but see what he couldn't before, that God is in this man. Nicodemus isn't like the disciples who hear an actual call from Jesus, who immediately drop their nets and leave their tax booth to follow him wherever Jesus goes. But to be sure, God is calling Nicodemus to be born again. He's hearing that call, and now he's facing some internal chaos. Emotions and questions of identity lurking under the surface begin to swirl. Because of Jesus, he's starting to ask these questions of what would I like to believe is true that's really not? Am I really who God is calling me to be? What does God expect of me? Who will I be if I allow my old self to die? If I walk off this identity crisis cliff, will God catch me? 
or watch me fall. Nicodemus comes to Jesus, but he doesn't tell him about any of the doubts or worries he has swirling inside. Instead, he tells Jesus, Rabbi, we know you are from God. No one can do these things you do apart from God. Calling Jesus Rabbi acknowledges Jesus as a teacher, someone with religious knowledge. And he doesn't say, I know. He says, we know. Jesus, Nicodemus does not speak to Jesus simply as an individual, but as a leader of his community. He's saying, the other Pharisees and I have been talking, and we can tell God is with you, but we can't quite figure you out. Now, none of them can know I'm here because I'm not ready to let go of my old self, but I have this deep desire, this longing to understand what you are talking about. Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. So they start having this conversation about what being born from above means. The word Jesus used means from above and again and anew. You must be born from above, born again, born anew. Nicodemus wonders, how can someone be born again? It's impossible for a grown man to re-enter his mother's womb and be born a second time. Jesus tries to continue the birthing metaphor to help Nicodemus understand. When we are born, it is a birth of water. Jesus says entrance into the kingdom of God requires a birth of both water and the spirit. New life will be born from water and spirit, not only from water, Spirit and flesh are held together. Nicodemus still doesn't understand. He keeps asking, how can these things be? And now Jesus is asking, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Nicodemus' credentials as a Pharisee, ruler of the Jews, teacher of Israel, has brought him no closer to understanding Jesus. I think Underlying all this talk of wombs and water, Jesus is also trying to answer Nicodemus' questions of self-doubt. Jesus is also saying, when you are born again, you can set down your hopes and expectations and concerns. Surrender them to God's arms. Let God hold them. Surrender your soul. Let the God who knows you better than anyone give you new life. God sees through what you present to the world. Seeing or entering the kingdom of God requires a transformation, a new birth. Nicodemus, beloved, let God transform you. Jesus' ministry is full of transformations, turning water into wine, turning pain into hope, turning bread into life. Jesus changes everything for those who come in close contact with him. Nicodemus should have known. An encounter with Jesus means that everything will change. Most of all, you. God was shaking Nicodemus out of his old self, waking him up to who he really is, stripping him of all he is not. When Nicodemus heard he needed to be born again, he thought he needed to figure out how to get that done. But God's grace was already working in him and through him.
working for him. Nicodemus seems open and receptive to being transformed, even if he doesn't understand how it works or what it will mean. He just knows he needs God to do something big in his life. Nicodemus seeking truth leads him to freedom, to turning his whole self towards God. That internal chaos becomes unnervingly quiet in the presence of God. There were certainly other Pharisees who saw the amazing things Jesus did, but because of a fear of losing political power and position within the synagogue, will not confess their faith in Jesus. Nicodemus allowed God to transform him. He cooperates with the grace of God in his life. A show called The Chosen is a TV adaptation of Jesus' ministry. You can watch it on Netflix or Amazon, and a lot of the first season of the show focused on Nicodemus being curious about Jesus. The show takes a lot of creative liberties, bringing the story to life. They add Nicodemus to the background of a few miracles where we aren't used to seeing him to give us some idea of how he got to the point of wanting this personal meeting with Jesus. Remember, the Pharisees were always following Jesus around, In the first couple of episodes, Nicodemus runs into a woman before and after Jesus heals her of demons. In the middle of the season, he meets John the Baptist while John is in prison and asks him, who is this Messiah John has been preaching about? He's outside the house when Jesus heals a paralytic. And finally, towards the end of the season, they meet in the middle of the night for this conversation. Jesus explains, the spiritual part of you is what must be reborn to new life. How the spirit is like the wind we can feel but cannot see. They go back and forth talking about being born again and how Jesus came to save the world from sin. Nicodemus has tears in his eyes. We see him come to understand. He tells Jesus how touched he is that Jesus has come. He knows Jesus is the healer, the one they have been praying for. Nicodemus says, my whole life I've wondered if I would see this day. In this version of the story, Jesus does invite Nicodemus to follow him. Follow me, Jesus tells him, and you'll see more. Join me and my students. Come see the kingdom I am bringing into this world. Nicodemus seems shocked by the invitation He stammers, but I I can't. Jesus begins to list the obstacles Nicodemus is thinking of. You have a position in the Sanhedrin. You have family. You are getting advanced in years. It's true. There is a lot you would give up. But what you would gain is far greater and more lasting. Later in the Gospel of John, we do see Nicodemus is changed. Maybe not strictly because of this conversation with Jesus or any singular moment, but by the whole of Jesus' ministry, by an encounter with grace. Those questions around identity, who Nicodemus is and who God is, thankfully, those are exactly the questions where God meets us. We don't see Nicodemus for much of Jesus' ministry. 
For one thing, he's only mentioned in the Gospel of John, and he isn't mentioned by name in any story of Jesus preaching or teaching or healing. He has this conversation with Jesus in the dark, and then he's hardly mentioned for another 16 chapters. But he's here in the beginning, and he'll be there at the end. We know Nicodemus was transformed because of the two other times he pops back up. In John 7, he reminds his colleagues that the law requires a person be heard before being judged. The chief priests and Pharisees had sent the temple police to arrest Jesus, and they returned to the temple empty-handed. The other Pharisees are annoyed, but Nicodemus asked them, Our law does not judge people without first giving a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? He was pointing out to his fellow Pharisees what their law actually teaches. And some writing, though not in John, suggested Nicodemus may have been one of several people who testified in Jesus' favor when Jesus was on trial before Pilate. And then in John 19, he assists with laying Jesus' body in the tomb. The other three Gospels talk about a man named Joseph taking care of Jesus' body, getting permission from Pilate to take the body, providing the tomb, and laying Jesus to rest. John includes Nicodemus in that scene. Nicodemus, who had come at first to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. In his two previous appearances, Nicodemus is clearly interested in Jesus, but he never confesses his faith. At Jesus' death, Nicodemus abandons neutrality and secrecy and acts out of love and reverence for Jesus. Nicodemus' midnight encounter with Jesus and the later evidence of his transformed life expresses the heart of John's gospel, light and new life. No one can walk away from God's grace unchanged, not even Nicodemus, not even me and you. Transformation is a choice we make and something God does. The choice to go to the gym every day will transform your body. The choice to be grateful will transform your perspective. What choices do we need to make in order to be transformed? This might not mean adding more to the to-do list. It might be the choice to say no to some things. It might be the choice to let God carry all the things we think define us. Let God carry our anger and sadness, loneliness and fear, status. Nicodemus surely had to let go of his place at the top of the Jewish leaders. They worked with Rome to have Jesus executed, And Nicodemus assisted in his burial. Some of our transformation depends on our cooperating with God. And yet, there are parts of our transformation we are just not in charge of at all. The artist Scott Erickson says, It's less about mustering up the strength to accomplish something, and more about your being open to the transformation God wants to do in you like a deep desire to do the thing that scares you most, or a persistent invitation to forgive someone who's hurt you. 
This is the place where God begins new life. The work the Spirit is wanting to do in all humanity. Ask God to transform what needs transforming in you. Be open to the possibility of God doing something transformative in your life. God's grace is always at work. We can't control or explain the mystery of God or how God transforms us. We can only experience it. Jesus told Nicodemus, the wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Like the wind, God's Spirit is an unseen but powerful, transforming force. Let the Spirit whisper to you what God wants to do. Not only does Jesus forgive our past sins when we accept him as our Savior, he also gives us new life, a new life to live differently. When our old self dies, a new self is born. What aspect of your life has God been shining holy light on, illuminating your need to be transformed? Maybe you're aware that something just isn't right, but you don't know what. Or you feel God nudging you towards transformation, but you don't trust what God is trying to do. Tell God what you're experiencing. Ask what to do in response. Ask for a nudge in the right direction. Pay attention to what's going on around you and inside you. What gives you life? What drains you? Where do you feel tired? Where are you coming alive? Where do you need God's guidance? Are you open to receiving it? God has an uncanny ability to bring us what we need right when we need it. God sees through what we present to the world, knows us inside and out, knows what we need, brings us healing and wholeness. Maybe you are desperate. God will transform your situation, an illness or a relationship or a career. We can't have a midnight conversation with Jesus about our questions, but he knows our doubts and fears. And the Holy Spirit is present with us, a guide to advise us, to show us truth in a way we can see it and appreciate it. The Spirit keeps Jesus' words alive for new and changing situations and communities of faith. The Spirit keeps revealing to us who we really are, and God's will for our lives, to give us life abundant, filled with God's presence, to turn us away from those things that drain us of life. Nicodemus was transformed by his encounter with the grace of God, and his actions later showed it. When we are living as transformed people, we prove with our whole life that the will of God is good and deeply right for us in the world. I know Pastor Jay will talk more about this in the next two weeks, but to be a Christian is to let the love of God transform us and pour it out. 
Jesus has transformed death and all the powers that keep us from seeing the kingdom of God right in front of us. This reality of the kingdom is best seen by those who participate it, who join in the work of God, who join in what God is doing in our community and the world. When the truth and love of what God does for us changes our lives, we speak up against injustice. We love the brokenhearted. We forgive our enemies. We are transformed. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, help us to believe in transformation. Help us to make a beginning, to be a beginning, so that we may not just grow old, but grow new each day of this wild, amazing life with Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.